1: Cool kids be like Chemistry sucks a D Adults be like Physics? Honey, not for me But we're all just alive for a tinty bit And science is the best way to understand it Side note, we show you studies are vague Side note, even scientists can be gay Controversial subjects with the facts can be tense But we are a sub-science here to make things make sense Today we are talking about the Australian fires. We are going to talk about its relation to climate change, the cultural differences between Australians and Americans, and some species which now have gone from endangered to potentially extinct.
2: Hello! Hi. Happy 2020 vision! Oh yeah, it's our first 2020 podcast. Isn't that weird that I didn't realize that until you said that? Oh
1: really? Are you are you present? Are you in this year yet?
2: I am, but I think I just haven't... Intern- it's just weird. Like, we just put our Christmas tree away the other day, but I haven't fully internalized that. It's like a new decade, I think.
1: Oh, really? So I- it just
2: feels like a continuation, which I guess it is. It's weird that we have this arbitrary date where... Um, you just are in like a, I don't know I weirdly How do you think of calendars? Do you what? think of them As like a circle? Or do you think of it As like left to right? And now you've gone back To the left? Do you know what I mean? I feel oh it's like a everyone... circle
1: It's a circle with colors Really? And yeah it's fully a circle What's mine, yours?
2: I think mine goes From left to right Like a book And ends at the right In December So that's why It feels weird to have to, It doesn't feel joined It feels like Everyone Whoa. goes Oh we're
1: starting At the beginning again So if you like Reshift your whole Mine's so a circle Yeah but
2: it should be a circle. It a circle. actually is a circle. <laughs> um, wow,
1: was that note beautiful or what? <laughs> um, I am so obsessed with the New Year's, actually in a psychotic kind of crazy anxiety way that I fully am aware that it's New Year's, and I'm like every day I wake up and I'm like pepping my step. I'm gonna meditate and run, it and then I'm just waiting for it all to go away, and then I'm gonna crash.
2: So you think that's gonna happen?
1: No, never. It's gonna be the most productive year of my life.
2: Okay, I have a hot take I want to share. Okay. Uh, is it a What Did You Learn This Week or No? No, it's not. Okay. It's about what we've been watching recently, aka Watchmen. Oh, the I TV feel show. so dumb. Yeah, I'm like, I don't. Okay, we haven't. We've only been like halfway through maybe but four everyone or five episodes. Everyone said
1: episode five is the one that like, makes you hooked, and we watched it last night, and I was like, oh, I still don't get it.
2: Yeah, I just feel like, what is this show about? I've told it doesn't you, though, make we, sense yet.
1: we didn't read the comics, and I really think that that is. Sure, but then
2: that's weird. It's like, did everyone who loved the show and is critically claiming it, like, did they all
1: read the books? I think one thing is that's really like, it's obviously very interesting to look at. It's like, it's like, it's, it's interesting what they're talking about. Like, it's so absurd and weird that I like, I like that, but I just thought at this point there'd be more to hook me along. I mean, there's sort of enough plot points that happened in this episode that make me want to keep watching it, but I'm surprised that, that people made people, it this far. <laughs> yeah. That people aren't talking about how confusing it is, but I do know that people who understand what Watchmen is about, on Really realize that this is like a beautiful take on the story.
2: I think that's cool. I guess I just, yeah, I feel a little bit like I don't under the, they haven't given me any real plot yet. I don't know what it's about. And it just feels kind of nonsensical, but it is well filmed. It's good acting. It's interesting and crazy things happen. So you're like, this isn't unentertaining. It's just not making any sense. But I guess we're going to keep watching. But if I hadn't heard it was good, I honestly, if I was watching it on my own, would have been like, oh, this is too weird and yeah. confusing. Even though I'm like, but it's good. It's very strange. I've, yeah. never, I've never watched a maybe show that's like
1: this. the Maybe that's what Watchmen's supposed to make you feel.
2: Potentially. It's interesting that it's confusing. But are we going to keep watching it?
1: I think so. I guess. Yeah. I the like last like episode now, was
2: kind of a cliffhanger. And I'm like, oh, I want to know. And
1: if I give up now, I'm going to feel truly dumb.
2: And it's better to get to the end and then get to say it's bad. Yeah. Or it's good. So. Oh,
1: what did we learn this week? Okay, so... I was re going through a book that I read called "Why Time Flies." Oh, I was expecting <laughs> you to just absolutely scream in joy about that.
2: I never read it, did I? <laughs> oh, I don't remember. I feel like I remember you talking to me about it, but I don't believe it wasn't that, I that good. It. Oh. it was
1: one of those science books where. Way... Oh wait,
2: did we listen to it as an audiobook in the car?
1: No, that was oh, okay. a different one. Okay. But um, it was one of those science books where there's way too much like jargon about their lives. Where I'm like, just give me the info. I agree. I think a lot of science books
2: do that where they like fill it with stories and anecdotes of like other people. And sometimes I'm like, I get you don't want your book to be 80 pages, but that would be awesome. I know. Sparknotes <laughs> in science
1: books makes sense. It really does. But there are
2: There's a time and a place yeah. for a, a story, but sometimes I feel like they're just trying to get to the 250 page. Mark yeah, they, they
1: better have a degree in literature and science for that to be happening. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Okay, so what okay, did you find Wow, out? I just dragged this book. I probably shouldn't even have said <laughs> what the book was. But one thing I loved from it was uh, they talked about how child psychologists have found that at the age of six is when kids start to understand the concept of getting older day by day. Ooh. Prior to being six, Like in a
2: scary, sad way? or <laughs> No, no, no. I mean, I don't
1: think that they're like existential They're just crisis. more. They're, they're actually literally like, What aware happens when it all ends? <laughs> no. But what happens is prior to six years old, most kids think they only get a year older on their birthday.
2: Oh, that's really cute. I know. I
1: think it's really cute. So it's like (laughs) after that, they start to grasp time and think, okay, wait, like this week is passing. This day is passing. I'm Mm. slowly getting older, which we all are doing. Yes. We are all picture our bodies deteriorating slowly. (laughs) but, But prior to that, they just think like, oh, life, 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 life. Now it's my birthday. There's this big sort of like escapade that happens. That's when I get a year older. It's not huh. cool. I mean, I can't remember thinking like that cuz it's too long ago. You always talk about how you were really, like you're like I have memories from when I am 7 months Yeah, and but I'm not like, no, like no, you how
2: don't. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> not like how I think. I just sometimes have visual like depictions of something that did happen, but I also do get confused cuz my family did take like a lot of video when we were young. So sometimes I'm not sure if the memory formed because I saw a video of it and then it just was implanted in my brain as though it was my real memory.
1: Oh my gosh, was that video? Happened. No, we're
2: not that old. I was like, was video <laughs> was, like.
1: Was video invented your, in 1988? Were your, were your parents like techie? my grandpa videos. was.
2: He had a video camera. He would like even film them when they were younger. Um, what? Was he using his hand to like roll the tape? Was it <laughs> I don't know. Like the camera he had was huge. Like it was like, it would go on his shoulder. Martin Scorsese vibes. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, did he, is he a famous director in India when he was there or something? Like, why did he have that technology? Wait, was
1: he just filming his family with, like, a giant, I think were they
2: rich? I don't know. I, I don't think my family was rich. I think they were middle class, like, they had money. I think they just, my family's always grown up, like, my mom grew up filming us, I think because her dad loved to film, like, video memories. It's pretty of cool to
1: have stuff. those, like, my parents have no video footage of us. Um,
2: To go off of your study... Was there a follow-up? I just farted. Did you hear it? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> probably went into that cushion. Oh, no. <laughs> that buffer zone. Okay. Testing the mics. Um, what is wrong with me? Okay. Anyways. Yeah, what is wrong with you? So, study follow-up. Was there a part that around age 30, when you start to be like, mm, my body's deteriorating really fast, not day by day, but like second by second?
1: Yeah, we are broken.
2: <laughs> is that what you mean? Well, I just mean, I've I, in the last year or so, I really have come, not come to terms, I've come to awareness that... Okay, yeah, my back just hurts on a regular basis. Um, Mm. My shoulder clicks. My hip is weird. I have this weird kink in my thigh that just like randomly appeared. I didn't hurt anything and it's been there for about three months and... Yeah, I guess I've just, maybe it's just my body is actually falling apart. Oh so on a God. day-to-day, minute-by-minute basis,
1: I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's happening. It's so <laughs> annoying. So people say about turning 30, and it's so true. I, my Achilles tendon is, like, broken because I jumped once. Okay. Ugh. <laughs> it's the worst. Kids, never grow up. Okay, uh, go. All right. All right. Um, I may have mentioned this
2: to you before. Mine is also based off a book I was reading called Superior, which is an amazing book about race science. So it investigates, you know, how race science was used in the past to, you know, basically be racist against different groups in the world. Um, but how some how that's kind of persisted through time and where that stands now. But one interesting thing that I didn't know. Uh, have you heard of Cheddar
1: Man? <laughs> What? No, like Cheese Man? <laughs> well,
2: okay, so it was the name of the oldest fossil skeleton found in Britain. Why Cheddar? To be honest, I didn't, I don't remember why it was named Cheddar. If someone, if it was found somewhere, I don't really know why it was called Cheddar Man, but that it's like around nine to 10,000 years old, the skeleton. It's like a full, complete body, and it's the oldest living example of people being in Britain. So they, it was celebrated for a long time. They found it in 1903. So Over a hundred years ago, they're like, wow, this is our British ancestors. Um, But what was interesting was that it wasn't until 2018, so literally two years ago, that they were able to do DNA analysis. Uh, It was called nuclear DNA analysis. It was extracted from the bones. And they realized this British quintessential man who represents Britain was not white. So uh wow. that he had light eyes and most likely and dark hair and dark skin and so it was sounds hot <laughs> yeah uh it was just like a very interesting time in the book kind of poses as you know we all identify with who we are culturally especially people in britain like really identify as having, having been there forever right in canada it might be a little different because we know as people from british colonies that it was like colonized and we don't have indigenous background but so when they like showed photos of Cheddar Man, it was
1: like, a British man with Originally, his yeah, a top hat. Originally, yeah, he was he
2: was depicted as a white person just because that's what they had thought. But now they realize, uh, obviously, with the out of Africa theory that the scientific interesting part is that light skin developed much more recently than i think they originally thought so it would have been an adaptation to the different levels of sunlight and one hypothesis is like you know needing vitamin d and so light skin would have developed but within the last ten thousand years so wow. i just thought it was interesting to think you know we have this depiction and this
1: idea what did of, british people think were they absolutely pissed? well this just can't be trained well i
2: remember in the book it talked about the scientists in this field weren't surprised because they kind of understood that's likely what it was but the idea i think for the the british public it blew up and went viral at the time because it was kind of an affront to their idea of who they were obviously it wasn't just because of racism it was probably just people being confused like maybe not understanding how homo sapiens have developed over
1: time and people that's the tough part about science is that when science can make you be faced with things that you don't want to believe for example climate change which we'll get into today <laughs> and then people will make up whatever sort of can kind of find ways to justify way yeah. to justify the way that life was before for them, because it can be challenging, I guess.
2: Totally. Sometimes. Yeah. New evidence can really challenge our current cultural beliefs. And so I think that was a case of that. Not very long ago that had to Britain had to face.
1: I just started reading that book and it already is oh, you did? interesting. Yeah. The, the concept of the British museum is like really messed up. That's how it starts. Just being yeah, like,
2: you realize every historical event we have is in context of, um Eurocentric Whiteness, views, Eurocentric yeah, views. I, and
1: also the fact that like the British Museum has like the Parthenon has the mm-hmm. literal mummies taken out of those beautiful like, giant like stolen pyramids from which are their Portugal. tombs <laughs> taken to Britain it shows you that obviously like I, I also like the way that the author talks about how power will shift that's how it works mm-hmm. in human like in the future like you know, white dominance might not be the same. And so, like, you just have to accept the fact that, like, it might change. Like, things might get stolen from the British Museum and put somewhere else. And how would that make you feel, Britain? Was sort of, like, Mm -hmm. what she was saying. Like, it just happens that right now, Britain has so many artifacts because they actually were, at the time of their, like, world conquest, literally taking over the world in a really, like, messed up way that we still are living through because it's all still in the British Museum. There's a lot of, in science articles, uh, talks about taking... All those artifacts back to where they belong like in places like africa and greece and i'm like all for that i think that would be an amazing sentiment to do sure
2: yeah it's obviously yeah it's it's strange to think that all these artifacts from around the world are in one spot in this really tiny area oh my god imagine britain
1: like brexit happening and then all of their artifacts being taken out of their museums and now two of the british royals aren't even in the thing anymore are you looking wait i feel like you're looking like is it recording It's recording. Oh my God. I just, I feel that it's peaking. Like it sounds bad
2: audio to me, but sorry guys, we're recording in a new setup and I'm just like, does it sound like the mics are really fuzzy? Okay. We're going to look into this and then we'll keep going. (laughs) Study time. Study time. Study time.
1: Study time. time.
2: So we actually just released a video about the Australian fires. If you don't know, you can either watch it, but a a little brief synopsis is that there have been some pretty intense, severe fires going, bushfires all through Australia in every single state in Australia. For months now, uh, it's fairly normal that Australia has a fire season, and it's part of the ecosystem. Indigenous people have long understood that bushfires are a healthy part of the ecosystem. But why it's so concerning is the scale that they're at this year. Obviously, it's been exacerbated by climate change. Because
1: um, there was droughts, there was a really prolonged drought, yeah. and there just, was a heat wave exactly in December, uh, and, and it's and, the hottest it's ever been in the country.
2: Yeah, it's a record year. And the concerning part is that they're just now entering their hot season. So it's like January, February is when things get the most intense so that it's already been so severe. Uh, many people have died. Thousands of homes burned. It's Bill- all...
1: A billion animals have died.
2: Yeah. By, and that number was 500 million when we made our video. And then we had to update it to 1 billion because they, they estimate that based on how much land has been destroyed. Uh, by the fires. So, if you haven't heard about it, that's just kind of a synopsis. Our studies today are sort of in relation to that. We'll talk about that in our first, first section. And then after a break, we will come back and just talk more generally about. But you
1: happening. actually lived in Australia and you said that you remembered you were looking recently and yeah. you saw a bushfire.
2: I kind of forgot. Like, I was looking through my Australia photos the other day because I was just obviously reminiscing. i I lived in Townsville, which was in the north of Australia. So, Generally, Townsville.
1: It's like a double name. Townsville. It's, like, it's a town <laughs> yeah. and a vale. It's a vale town.
2: Yeah. So it was it was nice. It was always hot. So Sydney and Melbourne are much more south. So you get more variable weather. Uh, but in Townsville, it was sunny all the time. But I had kind of forgotten that right by our campus, like I have pictures from my residents of smoke covering the entire campus and fires in the hills. And, and people I, thought it was normal? It was normal. Yeah. They were controlled. So often they happen and they know where they'll end and where they'll stop and there are people controlling it. But I remember the first time seeing it, just being like, should we be running? Like, what should we be doing? And people weren't scared.
1: So it's important that people know what's happening right now in Australia is out of control.
2: Yeah, and I'm sure there are parts that are in perfect, reasonable control that that you know professionals and firefighters would say this fire is not a concern, but this one over here is. So, yeah, and
1: there's like reading about doing our extensive research. It's like a majority of them are out of control. Yeah. It's very, very scary mm-hmm. and sad, and it's still happening. And it's when depending on when you're listening to this. If you listen to this in scale. two months from now, you'll know what happened, but we're doing this in the beginning of January and it's just, it's very scary and very sad. So why don't you start with your study first, Greg? Oh, I, I'm like, how do we make this like not so depressing, but like, well, it's going to, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. There's
2: a lot of sad things happening. Hearing the, Billion animals dead. Seeing footage of koalas being saved, or just like trying struggling through the fires, that it is really is thing. an
1: effective thing for people to see. Like the vis- yeah. Koalas animals, are, have, are helpless. they're such a fascinating animal that have like the con, yeah. The public conscious of the world care. They're so adorable. Like it does actually help and people. they're so unique
2: they only exist in australia yeah and there's only there's, I think so I read there's only about like forty thousand or 100 of them so they're like not they're at risk right now because if the country's on fire and there's not enough of them to reproduce that's going to be a big problem But oh still.
1: and i was going to say like that they um there's a lot of animals that are just in australia mm-hmm. but they're just i think it is because they're cute they're so cute, <laughs> yeah like i think and they're so cute that is literally the reason like when we were looking at the footage we we're like that reminds us of our dog mm-hmm. like there's something there that in my opinion because of what's happening and it being exacerbated by climate change i think it's important that people do have those reactions as we move forward into the 20s and so it's really really sad but it is affecting people the footage affected me a lot but Mm -hmm. i'm going to talk about animals right now that aren't koalas but are still like just matter just as much Mm -hmm. we are all just animals Mm -hmm. um that are essentially either extinct because of what's happened with the fires or are now like very vulnerable so i just want to talk about this it's kind of just like so that we understand how drastic these fires are okay so the first one is something called the long-nosed potteroo and <laughs> you know what that is i'm like you were in australia uh the you should not potteroo, okay, guess what it no. is guess what it looks like
2: <laughs> guess what it looks the like the long-nosed potteroo well it sounds like p- pokeroo so maybe it's got okay well it looks like pokeroo
1: okay like it's a marsupial. Okay. Pokeru would be a marsupial. Do people know uh, Pokeru is that Canadian? Oh, you're right. I
2: think Pokaroo is Canadian. I it's, so that was a, it was a children's show and the character. A Roo Pokaroo has uh, kangaroo vibes and it had a pouch. Pokaroo was just like the stuffed animal character, like Barney, but like a
1: Canadian version. So this is a cute little like mouse-like thing, and the drought that led to the fire um, was the big issue for this specific animal prior to the fires even happening. The fact that there was no water was like a really big issue for this, for this animal. And a specific ecologist named Mark Graham has worked for 20 years to protect them. And based on where the fires have gone, he's now worried that they're extinct. Okay. So it's like, it's literally just saying that there's this animal that they've been trying to preserve for a long period of time. And it's just like now, because these fires have gotten out of control, wherever it would have lived, it's likely doesn't, Exist yeah. anymore. Okay. Like, it's so sad. So, officials say that 48% of this reserve called the Gondwana Reserve, which is really famous and actually has rainforests that have been around since dinosaurs. Like, it's a very famous part of Australia. Okay. 48% of it has now burned. Mm. And part of the issue that they're realizing is that rainforests and wetlands are usually immune to fires. That's like part of the controlled fires in the past or when the fires have been in control in Australia, those parts wouldn't burn. But now because, because they're so, so hot, wet, I guess you mean? Yes. Like- yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's just like the way the ecosystem would have worked in the past. part of explaining why this is out of control is because the rainforests are burning and the wetlands mm-hmm. are burning because it's so hot. <sighs> And that is leading to a specific um, frog called the pouch hip pocket frog because it literally has a little pouch. I'm like, okay, Australia is obsessed with pouches. <laughs> <laughs> it has a pouch beside it that it keeps its tadpoles in. Oh my and gosh! It, I know, and so it's like it's a really cool animal that requires. Wait, water. is it a
2: marsupial? No, it's a frog. Oh, frog. it's a frog. Oops, sorry, 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 I changed from the other one. I forgot.
1: <laughs> okay, a pouched hip pocket frog. Okay, yeah, it's two centimeters. It lives in the rainforest, and it's also a. Uh, it's, they now think it's gone from a vulnerable species to an endangered species because of these fires and where they've burned. Okay. Um, 50% of the Greater Blue Mountains, which is a heritage reserve, has burned. And that is the last place that these specific birds called um, Regent Honey Eaters live. And they're so cool. I wish that podcasts were a visual medium. I'm going to paint a picture. It's like... It's like uh, looks a bit like a robin. It's mainly black, but then it has all this really nice, like yellow and white on it. So it's like really colorful, like a bumblebee type colors. And that specific mountain is the last sort of place where these birds have been able to mate, have been able to reproduce. There's lots of nests. And these ecologists who have cameras set up looking at the nests, all their cameras have burned. And the whole 50% mm. of this specific mountain range has burned. So they're hoping. That these birds have escaped the fire, which is obviously what would likely happen if you're a bird, you can fly away. And it sort of leads to the issue that people are starting to realize now is what happens after these fires. Like, there's another um, animal that's sort of like a mouse that is also endangered and they've realized that it, it's called an anticanus. I think that's how you pronounce <laughs> it, but they think it's probably gone into the rocks and been protected from the fire by actually going underground. They, they think based on its but evolution, be. it's fine. Mm-hmm. But then when they come back out or when these birds come back to where they were originally, their habitat is completely changed. These anticus mice type things rely on like leaf coverage from prey. They rely on, you know, being able to eat certain things. And that's something that I think is really sad that people are realizing is that even if some of these endangered species survive this, they have to come back and they're going to come back to a burned area and they're Mm -hmm. not going to be able to reproduce. And their whole ecology and all the science that these like preservationists are trying to do, it's going to be such a different challenge for them. And we're just in the middle of that happening. Yeah, we won't know what the state of things is until... It's it's honestly just so sad and reading about this and reading about these animals I think is an important thing for people to learn about because of people care about animals and again we are just animals and it I don't know I find it so devastating to think that there's specific endangered animals that are now going to be extinct because of this and I do think this is to blame for climate change and I think we can get into it more is to blame
2: for climate change. no sorry climate
1: change is to blame Mm. for this I think what's frustrating about Australia too and I don't know if it's in your study but talking about Scott Morrison, like the Prime Minister, and how they have denied climate change. They've really ramped up how they're um, consuming and producing coal for places like India. Like, it's frustrating because...
2: Yeah, well, even in our research for our video, it was made clear that firefighters and experts in the field have been talking to the government long ago, saying this is likely going to be a really intense year. 2019's going to have some fires if we're not smart, if we're not careful. And I think that it was you know set on deaf ears and so a lot of people now are saying okay how much longer are we going to ignore experts in this field so that is
1: i know and i don't live in australia but from my understanding i i didn't know much about it until these fires happened i started to look into their politicians i wasn't aware that they had this sort of like trump-like figure at the helm and i didn't realize that he was a climate change denier in many ways like he he really hasn't come out straightforward and said this is a climate crisis this is the reason why this is happening
2: yeah he won't i mean now he's trying to say okay we understand the climate's changing and we'll we just don't want to do anything um that's stupid and bad for the economy basically i think is his stance now but it is quite satisfying to see like i think i don't know what his popular popularity in australia is but obviously i've seen video after video of people like being so pissed at him him yeah going when he different... went
1: and tried to do like the photo op I yeah watched that.
2: and then recently apparently he went to a place and was like thankfully no one has died here and they were like two people are dead oh like my God. and then and then he was said something oh Oh, I was talking about firefighters. Like, he's Ugh. obviously just, like, it's so tone deaf. He was on vacation when it started and, like, only came back a day
1: at the end of his thing. At his Like, who is this dude? Like, oh, God. And even he said, like, one of his quotes is, like, we have faced these disasters before. I know how distressing that's and he's talking about the smoke has been particularly for young people who haven't seen it before and i was like that seems to me like a jab at young people trying to like the reason you're scared yeah just because you haven't because you haven't experienced it it before it's like condescending because i think a lot of young people are obviously we see in the form of activism of climate change young people are the ones who are like hello we have to be on this planet for longer Mm -hmm. than you i thought that was so frustrating the way that he was Mm -hmm. like condescendingly talking to young people i was like Oh, I don't. I don't like. Yeah, it's like it's I literally the
2: hottest year on record ever in Australia. So what do you mean? You haven't seen it either. You know what I mean? And just I'm so you're old.
1: sick of these politicians like shitting on young people like who as just if, care about the environment. I'm like, they're the ones who are in school. They're the ones who are learning. I I hate that yeah. notion. Like as a teacher, I'm like looking at kids when you're teaching them. In high school, in elementary school, they're so smart because they're all they're doing with their life is taking an education. And you know what I mean? I'm like, these politicians haven't been to school in years. Yeah. And they're just, they're not even like, especially these ones, they're not listening to education at all. They're just like, Honey, anyways, it makes me sick. It makes me so sick. I don't, I don't know. Vote him out is all I can say, Australia, which I hope will happen. I'm done. Okay, we can move on. <laughs> I don't, I honestly have so many more species to talk about, but I just think it's, I think I've made my point. It's really depressing. And, yeah, my study is comparing
2: America to Australia. So there have been studies in America you said that, that I'm like, oh, I know it, it, it's in a good way for Australians. Spoiler alert: um, Basically, a lot of places, places and networks and news has called America a. Uh, in like a post-truth era, right? So a lot of politicians get away with lying. Donald Trump can say all these lies and it doesn't matter. It's not impacting people going, oh, like he's not becoming less popular because he lies and he hasn't become less popular because he lies. Um, And they have found in the States that fact-checking doesn't really move the needle on anything, which is pretty (sighs) depressing. And we've talked about that, how facts aren't necessarily what change people's opinions. Yeah, we have a climate change denier video where that's...
1: The hard reality. Yeah. How
2: do you appeal to people's emotions in a way that's not just manipulating them, but finding common ground, finding a way to be part of their in-group. So anyway, a study was done in Australia where they were basically looking at what does fact-checking do for Australians? They would give them these statements that politicians on different ends of the spectrum had said. In the first rounds, get their opinions, get them to vote on whether they believed it, whether they agreed with them, whether they liked those politicians. And then in a second round, uh, they would actually put a fact check next to the things that the politicians had said. And they found that, thankfully, in Australia, fact checking actually implicates and impacts voters decisions so if you see that a politician that even if you agreed with lied to you about something it's likely to move your opinion and have you say like now i actually believe the fact check and i'm annoyed or mad at that politician
1: and that doesn't happen in america the exact
2: same study was done in america and the effect was 10 times less so isn't that crazy yeah so so it's in the one sense it's good for australia okay cool we can still use facts newspapers like Australians care if their politicians are lying to them, right? Whereas according in, to this study. According to how, this study. How big
1: was it? Do you know? Like, I think what's...
2: it was 500 people they looked at. Okay. So okay. it wasn't a huge study, but that's no. still enough to see a trend that if it's a 10 times difference between America, Australians are changing their opinions after being presented with fact checks. Wow. Um, and so I just reading people's discussion, because this was like on Reddit, this, this study came up, Uh, and people from Australia gave a couple perspectives. So this is all anecdotal. But one thing was, you know, Australians tend to be more self-deprecating. If you think of British people, maybe even Canadians as well. We don't have the same sort of idolizing of our leaders, I think. And we are more likely to be critical of them. And on top of that, their voting system is uh, preferential. So you vote in order of the people that you I, I don't know the exact voting system. What do you mean? Like you would say like one, Almost two, like a ranked three. ballot, oh, right? So nice. it makes it more difficult, I think, for political polarization, which is what we're seeing in the states, right? You either are on Democrat side or you're on the Republican side. At least even in Canada, there's many different parties. Yes, there's still political polarization, but it's a little harder when you have so many parties. Yeah,
1: the fact that there's two main parties in America, I always have thought of it's going to create a huge divide and you right. see that and you yeah. you
2: cheer for your team right and so that's why i think in america it becomes harder even if someone lies to you it's more like well i believe them i want them to win it doesn't matter what they're saying we need to beat the other side whereas on australia they had mentioned that you know if if an extreme on either end uh if a party starts supporting extreme ideals that means that people may not Might make rank them the lowest, right? So, even some people might pick them as their first, but more people are likely to push away. And I think from an anecdotal reading, it sounds like Australia can swing one way or the other more likely because no one it it tends to bring uh, politics closer to the center because of the preferential voting.
1: Wow, I I think that will hopefully happen after these fires. It seems like they're having extreme, yeah. That's been the
2: interesting part is that obviously they put in a government, maybe for different reasons unrelated to climate change, right? So, sometimes. People get voted in for one thing, and then as a result, now you get a climate-denying prime minister. That may not have been what his platform was. I don't know enough about Australian politics. The one other factor uh, in Australia is that I think it's compulsory to vote. So you get fined. Yeah, I think everyone who is Do you think that, or do you know that? That's what I read online. Wow. Okay, Australians, let us know that's true. We should, like, that's so interesting. Yeah, I, I read that. I'm only saying I read it because it was through like a discussion board. It was like on Reddit. So obviously I wasn't like. Read it on Reddit? I read it on Reddit. Um, Saying that you could not vote, you would get fined. It's not like a crazy thing, but most people do vote and it it forces people to at least be engaged with politics in a certain way. That's so interesting. Um, But ultimately, yeah, I thought this plays a role into climate change because.
1: Yeah, it says here, electors who fail to vote at a state election and do not provide a valid and sufficient reason for such failure will be fined. (laughs) (laughs) The penalty for the first-time offenders is $20. This increases to $50? Wow. Yeah,
2: so I mean, it's not like, obviously you could take a $20 fine if you really, and they said you can go to the poll and you can write down anything you want. If you want to abstain, if you want to just write down. I love that. Yeah, it gets people engaged, at least you can't. Totally. I'm sure there are problems that come with that system, but in the case of polarization, you start to see, like, getting the population engaged with politics is obviously important. Getting everyone voice Get some voice taxpayers' heard. money.
1: Find the people who don't vote. And it's
2: very different when you hear in America that they're literally trying to stop people from voting. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, I thought that was an interesting perspective. It gives me some hope that even if this government has done and said some stupid, awful things, hopefully the populace is... Um, aware enough and willing to change their opinions on things if they didn't believe in climate change before maybe this seeing this imagery hearing from scientists is still willing uh people might still be willing to change their opinions on that
1: yeah i think it is giving um a voice to a lot of scientists right now people are like okay australia is on fire <laughs> we need to know what's going on and people are going to scientists and i really think history we are all should be watching closely Australia but i have i have faith that their election is going to change that this is going to lead to something positive because you know we have to have hope and if if anything is going to change Australia's sort of obsession with coal or like ability to understand that climate change is real this has mm. to be it this visceral yeah, and it to have to be part
2: of any government's platform a plan to tackle you know even stripping away okay let's just ignore whether it's human caused or not we have to do something about this right we, yeah. we can't just pretend it's not happening Wait, but you we mean have, for people who don't for people, people who say maybe don't want to acknowledge that but can say okay climate's changing and it's a major problem. Our country is hotter than ever. It's on fire more than ever. Animals are dying more at higher but, rates. Let's do something. But they need to admit that it's human
1: caused in right. order to make a change. Because I think, what else are they going to do?
2: Well, I think there's other... Uh, you're right. I'm not trying to fight for that side in any way. I'm just saying, like, ideally, there's even people who just don't believe in climate change who at least are going, okay have to at least believe it now and to have to at least support policies that will mitigate this oh, yeah, and put money into things that will prevent these fires from because obviously there's levels of i've read that the budget for firefighters has been cut so low to prevent these things in the first place so yeah climate
1: change is making conditions worse but it doesn't help
2: that they're not prepared for when it's happening as
1: well and i do think one thing i always think in defense of a country like America is that there's so many people there. Three hundred and sixty million. Australia's yeah. population is smaller, so it's easier to buy more shift. than ten times. Yeah. yeah, and even like your oh, as we were studying. Yeah, that's weird. But it's easier to shift, and we see it in Canada too. Our population is so small; it's smaller than the state of California. So, mm-hmm. in order for our country to have like movements and really get behind politicians or get behind things, it's it is easier just because the numbers are smaller. You you hear about countries like Sweden and Norway being so progressive. There's not nearly as many people there, so it's easier to sort of have grassroots movements really take over. Mm-hmm. I think one thing that America, as an outsider, it is important to talk about is it is so. Big. Yeah, it's huge. Not only geographically, but yeah, like 300,
2: 400 million people. And there's the such third a largest country in the world. Sometimes we look at China and India and go, they're huge. They have a billion people. But then you go, wait, America's not that far behind that. There's so many people, so many different cultural backgrounds, so much intertwined into American culture that yeah. makes people have such different opinions. And
1: all of... Canada's provinces are run by the federal government in a way where the federal government has a lot more power than in America. In America, every time you go to a different state, it's like you're entering a different yeah, country. Laws, yeah. And so it's it when they have to all come together to vote or like make a decision as a country It's really challenging because what's happening in Oklahoma is so different than what's happening in California, but they're all falling under the umbrella of Americans. And Mm -hmm. I think that is like a big issue. Whereas in Australia, again, it's a smaller population, New Zealand. Like, I really think that Australia can figure out with their small population a way to really hopefully curb this and work together. And I think this will be the energy that they need to do it because it is so devastating it is so yeah. sad. thinking
2: about canada it's interesting because i do think canadians i don't maybe australians similar uh we define ourselves as canadians i don't really define myself as an ontarian I, I mean, in some ways, I'm sure people look at Alberta and look at BC and look at Newfoundland and say like they're distinct, which they are, of course. There's different cultural backgrounds and interesting geographic whatever. But as a Canadian, I'm a Canadian. Whereas I think in America, you often, if you're asked where you're from, you say your state first. Sometimes right? when you meet Americans, they say their city, and I'm like, hey, know like, I didn't well, ask your city. And I'm also like, country? where's that? I don't yeah. have any idea where that is. <laughs> I'm assuming it's America because no one else in the world. Has it's I. true. Like if you ever are traveling, people will be like, oh, I'm from Canada. I'm from. Belgium. Them, then they'll be like, "I'm from Chicago." And you're like, "Okay, well." Okay. <laughs> uh, one other thing, I was thinking about these fires, because part of me, every now and then, it's unfortunate to see that certain animals become poster animals, right? So we we see polar bears, we see panda bears, we see koalas, yeah, and they're often not the biggest problem. Like some of them are, uh, but they're usually. What do you mean be- the biggest problem? Or like the- there may not be the most threat. So like what I'm trying to I'm say, the most it, threat to them. To, yeah, they may not ha- be at how do I say this? They're not like on the verge of extinction necessarily compared to other animals. That might be ugly that we don't get to see. St- yeah. Like these little st- marsupials. that talk to Right. <laughs> but then at times like this, I'm like, but no, use the koalas because in proportion, okay, a billion animals have died, but they said like when it was 500 billion and 500 million animals had died, they said 8,000 koalas had died. That's a way different number, right? Like 8,000 koalas is
1: nothing compared to 500 million. But those koala videos have maybe. Exactly. Okay. This is very interesting because it does make me think about how, when we talk about climate change and when we do research about climate change now, it's true. Something like a billion, saying a billion animals died. It's like your brain can't grasp that. Mm -hmm. It can't have an emotional reaction to that. And that's what we need to do is create emotional reactions In people to make a change that's just how we have evolved as animals we don't take in literally the scientific part of your brain is not linked to the emotional part of your brain Mm. whereas the emotional part of your brain which actually leads to change is more linked to storytelling it's linked to we all know what it's linked to it's that experience you have with other people those koala videos are an amazing example of an emotion you probably felt that led to you wanting to make a change so I it's agree. much
2: easier to care about something that sort of seems a little more human like than an ant, say. If you yes. heard like 100 million ants died and even if you saw them it's probably not the same impact cuz koalas have like eyes that seem like human like. They have faces adorable. that are cute. Yeah. They remind like watching them it's like there's qualities that remind me of Ernie our dog. Yeah. So. But there
1: is but there is something to be said I think about a focus that happened for too long on polar bears with climate change. Mm -hmm. I do think that like Greenpeace and a lot of these like uh, places decided to focus on that for that reason. They probably did the research we did and Mm -hmm. thought, okay, this emotional reaction is really important. And I do think that at a certain point though, it got too far. We have, you have to be really careful because Mm -hmm. if you do focus too much on one thing, a lot of other, the nuance and the complexity of all these issues can get lost and you couldn't then maybe give ammunition to the other side in a sense, you know, what I, does that make sense? I can't, I don't know what you mean by ammunition, but it does. Yeah. It leans too heavily
2: into one simple explanation when this is actually really complex and there's so many
1: different species that are and suffering. Human in lives ways. are we're yeah. losing human lives. And like, I, I just have read um like two particular cases where people talked about the focus on polar bears taking away and Mm. from the fact, the complexity of the issue and sort of making people go, Oh, save the polar bears. Like roll your eyes. Like, Mm -hmm. what does that even sort of like mean? And because it is interesting, you're right. Like planet earth, it ends with a polar bear swimming into oblivion and Mm -hmm. the middle of the ocean. It's impactful. Like you see it, that that narrative for climate change has existed for about 10 years. And so I just think this, this koala, Thing is important for right now it's such a weird conversation <laughs> it's important for right now but we also have to figure like we can't just fully rely on it and make yeah. sure that we are always sort of one step ahead of the, the the like negative criticism or people who are denying climate change right
2: and it's so much more than just just hearing stories so I was listening to a hidden brain podcast about habits the other day. And one thing that stood out to me was that they were talking about smoking habits and how much money they've put in different countries into educational programs or even like eating vegetables, these kind of things like, and realizing that what worked most to stop people from smoking wasn't educating people, wasn't putting pictures on cigarette packs to show you how bad it was for you teaching people how bad it was didn't change it, what made it more effective was banning it from inside, not allowing you to smoke in certain areas. Oh, making it making inconvenient. Making you literally
1: have to walk 10 feet. Okay, this this is so, why I'm so scared for climate change. Yeah. Because climate change, it's it's inconvenient. And well, inconvenient how do we, then we need truth. To,
2: we have to think about that because if you think about the smoking example, yeah, if people aren't, don't care about their own health, and I'm not trying to like shade smokers too hard. Here I just mean... If the risk of your own mortality and death isn't enough to change people and make them stop smoking, why would the risk of nature and animals and other humans on this planet do it? Yeah. So I think we need to start. Of course, we should be educating people. It is impactful, especially for people who already care about it. Of course, these this imagery is going to make a difference. But will it change habits? I don't know. I think what needs to happen is how do we build systems that allow us to To make it... What is more inconvenient? Like, how do we stop doing things that are contributing to climate change? So, whether that's meat consumption, how do we make it less convenient? How do we make it more More, convenient? Well,
1: that's that's why this sort of trend of fast food is, like, really... Great, at least happening in Canada, like these fast uh, food, oh, like, like Beyond Meat burgers. Yeah. It's making it convenient and tasty for you to right. eat something a meat alternative. Yeah, people, I like think
2: want to feel good yeah. about it if it's easy. And yeah. I, and we've talked about this before. Netflix was provided people a way to pay for things and not illegally stream in the same way. It was more convenient. It was the right price. It was convenient. It, you didn't have to go through all these loops to pay for cable that cost a hundred dollars. So there so are. So now you're saying people will download less, which that's yeah, the that's point. what they yeah. said. Like that Netflix and all these streaming companies have actually created a much different system than existed before. That finally people go, okay, you know what, I'm willing to pay ten dollars a month for all this content. So
1: a carbon tax is a good example of a, of sort of doing this from a political to to a company standpoint, like carbon tax is important. It's, it's trying to make it inconvenient, economically inconvenient. That was another
2: thing for cigarettes. A tax on cigarettes has actually also decreased people's likelihood of smoking.
1: So it's why I think a lot of people when having these conversations about climate change, it's like, we talk about, obviously there's things that we can do in our personal lives, but we do know that it's up to politicians and corporations, because if you think about that, if we wanna make it inconvenient for people to say buy red meat, that's a challenge economically. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, then then they're gonna to have to be some sort of regulation where we tax yeah. something. And there's like a lot of meat. layers
2: to those industries and people who work in them and it just being complicated, yeah. Obviously.
1: And fast fa- it's like every sort of like you hear about lobbying from corporations because they don't they wanna continue profits for their shareholders. And a lot of the Green New Deal and moving forward about how we change climate change is about the government having more power over corporations to do things like that, to make things inconvenient for the consumer and for the company to potentially make less money for the good of the planet. I think that is what we need to have happen. Where I'm at with my research is that we need something like the green new deal, which involves regulation. And so I think that is interesting because it relates to that cigarette thing. It's like, we need to make it inconvenient for people to consume and purchase certain things and I think the scary part is that that's going to come with a potential shift in economics, which I think is that's where we're at right now in history is how is that going to play out? Uh-huh. And and these... do you think that I can't tell if you think that? Do I think what? Sorry. Do you think that what I'm saying makes sense? That like it is. Yeah, the I government? think. Yeah, yeah, I think it's I think it's both. I, I think
2: we have to look to big institutions and corporations and governments in the ways that they're regulated as well as our own personal actions because our personal actions while maybe like minimal on the side of how things get done you know as a society we decide which things we're interested in which yeah. things we buy i know it's a complex relationship because obviously not everyone can afford to choose the more sustainable environmentally
1: friendly thing and that's and sometimes that. it's so confusing. Like you're yeah. reading that book now, which I read Inconspicuous consumption. Mm-hmm. It's inconspicuous a lot of these things. Yeah.
2: It's like the internet uses so much energy and will continue to use so much and we're part of that. How do we how do we escape that? Yeah. Right? So it, it is very complex and I agree we need to as a society really allow governments and companies to start regulating in a different way that will make bigger, larger scale transitions because it's hard
1: for individuals to make that choice when one thing's cheaper than the other. One thing that we can sort of end on that is so important is voting for science. We Mm -hmm. always have talked about this. It's like, look at your politicians, look at how they want to handle the environment and science and make a decision in that way. Because we're right now talking about governments needing to have more power. And yet we were also talking about the Australian government Mm -hmm. being ignorant to science. And Donald Trump is ignorant opposed to science like that is really really scary and so we do need as a collective where there is democracies voting for science and holding our leaders accountable yeah you just opened up a whole loop that i we won't talk about it but just yeah realizing
2: that's also some people's fear about giving government power what if they're doing things we don't want them to do I know. right what if it's a government that we've given so much autonomy to that is actually doing things that they're regulating things. We don't want them to, or I don't know. Everyone has different opinions on what is the right way to govern. So it is suffice to say a very complex issue that we don't have a simple solution for, but it's probably why you hear us talk about it all the time. I think the Australian fires though, open people's eyes and go, okay, this is really important. We have to start addressing this
1: immediately because we are now seeing the direct impacts
2: of our inaction.
1: Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I think we can end here because honestly, it's just like innately like listening to this podcast. You're going to hear these types of conversations again (laughs) because that's just it is what we're talking about. It's the most important issue of our time. So we have the video out about the Australian fires. We're going to continue to make more videos about this topic and sort of navigate this conversation with you. So let us know what you think using hashtag Side note Podcast. Talk to us about climate change in general, how you talk to people about it, your opinions on it, what this conversation has maybe sparked for you because it is a complex conversation. In no way do I think I have the answers. I'm just mm-hmm. sort of like piecing things together from what I've read and just trying to think about this as much as possible. Yeah,
2: I agree. Let us know. I'm interested in how people's, in, especially in different countries, perceive it, how your governments perceive it, how it's even these fires as a specific example. How is that viewed from a global perspective? Because obviously Canadians maybe feel somewhat connected to Australians. Both oh my colonies. gosh. Remember,
1: we went to Australia for a science event and I was so <laughs> like, you fly so far. Like 20 hours. It was like, when was this? 10 years ago. We flew to LA and then you fly all the way there. It's so far. A lot of diesel fuel. <laughs> you get off the plane and you're like, I'm in Canada, but warm. Like, it's <laughs> not, it, I was like, so frustrated. I was like, if I fly this far, I want this yeah. far, I want some sort of culture shock. But they were just like, they're different, but yeah, very similar. The architecture on the of the condos <laughs> yeah. and like, it's like, this looks like Toronto. But it was new, a weird experience. So I do think we are connected to Australia in that sense. It's a similar like sort of like recent history. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, thank you guys for listening as always, and we will talk to you next week for another podcast. Peace. Bye. Even when we're
0: on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for fifty to eighty percent less in similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars